When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to a new episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson. And our super producer, Riley Bray. Back in the clubhouse just in time for 420. Oh, yeah. Nice. (laughs) I think this is the first time an episode has fallen on 420 since we launched the podcast in 2017. Well, Well, you know what to do out there. Light Mm -hmm. it up and listen. Yeah, I guess. Smoke them if you got them. One of us doesn't smoke pot. One of us can only smoke a little bit of pot before they have an anxiety attack. (laughs) And the other, um, I'll let him speak for himself. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean, man? (laughs) You know who we need to be on this episode is is Gary. Remember Gary, your new character, Bryce? Gary? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I should tell you about the time I met my drug dealer on on April 20th. It was the best. (laughs) Our girlfriends from Canada. Don was my girlfriend at the time, and my, my good friend Johnny and his girlfriend, they threw this big 420 party for us. They had, like, green balloons, and they cut out these green weed leaves. And I mean, it was big, right? And uh, and we were like, I think that guy smokes weed. Go give him a green balloon and a weed leaf and tell him to come over. And uh, and that's how it all got started. He came over with a bowl. <laughs> he, was, he, he lived right next door, and he sold us weed for many years to come. Anyway, oh, that's those... very meat cute for a weed dealer. <laughs> I love that the spirit of Club Bryce came by to say hello on 420. Oh, my God. Um, well, we have a guest tonight that I can't wait to get to. So let's get through some very quick club housekeeping, and then let's we'll bring it. them in. Uh, don't forget to order your BCC record shirt, speaking of Club Bryce, uh, featuring uh, the logos of all of our made-up semi-made-up bands here on the podcast of course club bryce wolf brother and bj and the shadow bats lovingly designed by james maholland all three of these shirts are available right now in the bcc merch shop click the link in the episode description of this podcast or the link in our bio on instagram at bigfoot collectors club or over twitter uh, at bigfoot pot be a loyal Club Scout. Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and help spread Bigfoot Collectors Club to new listeners. If you do, we might read it on the air, like this epic one that somebody left for us recently. Bryce. Wow, yeah. Tad Stone submits much more than hairy hominids. They are the playful purveyors of paranormal potboilers who pour stories spanning the proactively pearl uh surprisingly poignant <laughs> i didn't even attempt that word uh they are i, mean, I think you got to do this in a stan, stan lee voice let me take a stab at it 
Oh, we gotta oh, go. Well, okay, go Much it. more than yeah. hairy hominids. They are the playful purveyors of paranormal pop boilers who probe stories spanning the proactively puerile and surprisingly poignant. Nice. That was great. Yeah, yeah. beautiful. Yeah, take it. Do that. Do that. For okay, great. Stanley. They are the defenders of the ephemeral, the chroniclers yes. of curious cryptids, and the detectives of trans-dimensional innovators. Who are they? Michael McMillan. He is the shadow in the corner of your eye, the cold spot in your hallway that chills your spine, yet makes you sweat. Bryce Johnson. He's a smelly hair sample that defies analysis, the unnerving howl that echoes in your nightmares. And Riley Bray. Oh, he is the bent wheat stalk in the impossible crap circle, the sudden fog that hides a portal. Together with celebrity guests, they plumb the secrets of the universe with humor and awe. They are the Bigfoot Collectors Club. Five stars. Wow. What a, what a review. What a I reading. Mean, man. It's like a, a little a bit of Uncle Dicky creeping back in at the end. <laughs> no, no. Touch, there was no what are you talking about? That was all Stan Lee. <laughs> Sorry for the typos at the top. I hand transcribed that yeah, in. Sabotage. Of course, that was sabotage. Didn't copy edit one mm-hmm. bit. All right. Thank you, uh, Tad, for that lovely review. The rest of you, get out there, give us a five-star review, and help get the show to more people. Okay, let's bring in our guest. Uh, Our guest this week is publisher of the Strange Days zine and co-host of the Strange Dispatch podcast, Andrew Jewell. Hey, what's up, dudes? Welcome Welcome to the show, Andrew. Andrew. How are you? Now, you're used to being on a paranormal podcast is it weird being on someone else's paranormal podcast it's not i mean it's not weird but i'm i'm i listen to you dudes all the time so i'm having a little bit of a a starstruck moment because boy here i am with club bryce live on the air so it's pretty pretty excellent and i'm super stoked to be here i hope you brought some weed man (laughs) i you know what i'm in a state right now where it's legal so i could probably get some pretty easily so those states are opening up one by one man uh yep new jersey like a like a wall of cards yep um andrew we have to ask all of our guests, and it's been a minute since we've had a guest on to ask this question, but what is your personal paranormal history? How did you get into the realm of the high strangeness, and have you had any strange encounters yourself? Yeah, I mean, that's the my, my favorite question on the show. Um, my paranormal history started, like, prenatal, before I was even... Okay. Uh, out of the womb. So my, uh, the house that I was, my parents were living in when I was born was at this point, I think pretty irrefutably, irrefutably haunted. Um, my parents and my brother and I had a ton of experiences there. Um, and it started like my parents moved in when my mom was pregnant with me. When like was, six, or where was this? I'm sorry. It was in, uh, mid Michigan, uh, okay. in a super small town in Michigan, um, closest larger town would be flint michigan okay and i went to interlock and arts academy up near traverse city so okay yeah sort okay. of familiar so, like, with michigan yeah, in the lower peninsula in it not terribly far um and it was like the late 80s i was born in february of 86 and my, i think my parents moved into this house in like july of 85 and um yeah when they moved in they immediately started experiencing activity and <sighs> From what I can, like, deduce and, like, when I try to put it in consecutive order as best I can, I'm pretty sure my first 
cognitive memory is a paranormal experience. No, in that house. come on. That's yeah. a first on this show. What are we? 196 episodes in. Yeah. That's great. I mean, so your what a earliest way to come into the world. Damn. Your earliest memory is like seeing a ghost. It was hearing hearing a ghost. Yeah. And so it was like I don't written it. You know, I, I I'm I think I could have maybe been like three and a half or four when this happened, but um, I have like a distinct memory of my mom was a single mother at that time. Uh, my brother was in school. He was older than me. My mom was like taking a nap. She put me in front of like uh, Nickelodeon cartoons. David the Gnome was on. I remember this very vividly. David the Gnome and always creeping back up on this show. Every I, now and I, then I he turns it. his yes. rosy little head. <laughs> I, that's funny. I didn't put that together, but I do remember that reference before. Yeah, I'm watching David the Gnome and I hear uh, so that it was a two story house. Upstairs was one large room that my brother and I shared. I'm sitting on the sofa. The stairs like are directly across from me and I hear someone walking down the stairs mm. and no one's there and my mom is asleep and it's only me. And I, I remember it very vividly. And I remember thinking to myself, because my brother had told me when my mom didn't want him to, that there was a ghost in the house. I remember thinking to myself <laughs> as like a four year old, oh, it's just the ghost. <laughs> no, no biggie. It's just the, it's just the ghost <laughs> coming and, downstairs. And did you do the right thing and run away and never come back to that house? <laughs> no, I I continued no. watching cartoons and and uh, we lived there for several more years. That's crazy. So that's man, and you know, like you said, that wasn't a one off experience. So um, yeah, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't at all. My I I all of my experiences were similar to that. Nothing mm -hmm. really more uh, like extraordinary than that but my mom nothing had, corporeal <laughs> no no um but my mom had a ton of experiences she saw uh she saw an apparition she heard tons of noise like she would wake up in the middle of the night and it would sound like there was like mm. a party happening in my brother and i's room oh, upstairs dude. she would hear like victrola music and people like chatting what? like oh. you know socializing and she would go up there and we would be asleep and it would be pitch black it was like there was a lot of activity in that house was it like a victorian house it wasn't it was it was an early uh it was built in the early 1900s it was a farmhouse but it was built on the foundation of what I think was a Victorian house that had burnt at some point and they salvaged the foundation and then just built a new house on top of it. That so it was wow. like, yeah, That'll so do it. that what is was your mom's reaction to yeah. all this. Like what, what was she her was, comfort level? She was like surprising. And, I, and we talk about it a lot. I, I've written about it in the magazine and we've talked about it within the last year or so. And she, then and now she has always been surprisingly chill about it she was like as i said she was a single mom so her focus was just like sort of like getting through you know, the she day. didn't have time for that <laughs> shit basically tired for ghosts yeah, 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 exactly. Like, yeah That's exactly like she she told me she would woke up a couple of times like in the dead of winter and like the thermostat was like jammed all the way to the lowest temperature mm. and she would she would like reset it go back to bed she would wake up cold again it was the same thing and she said one time she just like yelled to nobody like knock it off like i've, I've got to get some sleep my kids got you know whatever like went back to bed that was sort of just how she always handled wow. it she just like it was in you know it props to her because she made it seem like the most normal thing in the world and that's probably why i'm as weird as i am now i guess Right. Those ghosts love it cold, don't they? 
They do, yeah. They they sure do. It's probably someone who's like, "What is this contraption? Let's build a fire." This is you're supposed to warm a house up with a fire. <laughs> totally. That, uh, so, you, man, go on, Bryce. Ask, uh, how how did you, how how did you and your brother take it? What was the mood of that sort of paranormal normal activity throughout the years for you guys? Was it? pretty terrifying or did you you know no. learn to adapt with it or I, I think we learned to live with it I, mm. I was always like a pretty serious little kid and my brother was a little bit more lighthearted, so he would tease me about it and like we would we would joke about it and I was I don't ever ever remember being like afraid in that house but I do remember being taking it seriously like oh yeah. wow like this is a thing that's here and then like you know we had cousins who were like our age and when when they found out about it it was like everybody's favorite thing is like oh can we like sleep over do you think we'll no, see the ghost? Really? like you think the ghost will come out like oh everybody it, it became like yeah sort of an attraction at our house any sense uh, your mother said she saw something what did she see so she her bedroom uh like weirdly didn't have any windows in it which is creepy enough in oh, itself man. um it was it was like the people who lived there previously had done some renovations and uh, the, what I was told is that the, the, the father of the previous family like worked like the night shift. I, I believe he worked at like, this already like, sounds bad. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. This yeah. is how ghosts get started. Yeah. This is 100%. <laughs> I believe he worked at one of like the GM plants cause we weren't too far from Flint mm-hmm. and he, they did these renovations and he worked third shift. He worked the overnight shift decided he wasn't going to put windows in the master bedroom so he could sleep during the day when he got home. So that guy ended up having a heart attack on the job. And my mom was pretty convinced that he was one of the spirits there. And she thought Mm. the other was this other woman who had died in the original house. And she had some doubt, somehow tracked down some information that this woman had died of like diphtheria, which is like, um, it's something to do with like the nose and throat, some sort of respiratory thing. So she would hear like wheezing and shit like that in the night. That would, that is terrifying. Oh yeah. That's no good. Back to when she saw the apparition, she's in her bedroom that has no windows. And she said she woke up and it looked like there was like a single car headlight shining like directly (laughs) onto her bed and there's no windows in the room. And as her eyes adjusted, she made out like the backlit silhouette of a figure and it didn't say anything it didn't do anything it just stood there and she like was trying to you know was like blinking her eyes to try to get them to focus and adjust quicker and it just like sort of dissipated and that was it Um, but that was like i mean she has so many many good stories she my favorite is like this there was in the kitchen there was this old um original like built-in cabinet that was original to the farmhouse when it was built in like 1910 or whenever and she said she would hear she would hear like tapping from inside of it Mm. often and one day she came home and she actually had herself had worked the night shift at the time uh which sounds like a setup for amityville or something like after Mm -hmm. that other guy did and died doing it totally but so she came home and there was a teenage girl next door who uh, would babysit my brother and I, she would just sleep over when my mom worked the night shift and she gets home and she like wakes the babysitter up and the babysitter's getting ready. And my mom's getting ready to walk her home next door. And they're in the kitchen and the babysitter's putting her shoes on. And like my mom starts to hear the tapping from the inside of this old cabinet that she had heard before. And she said, my mom said she was like pretty cranky and like irritable that day. She was like tired and you know, whatever had whatever going on. And, 
she was like waiting for the babysitter to like look up and acknowledge this noise. And right. she, the, the girl didn't. And my mom started to think like, is this me? Like, is this in my head? And she kind of got a little worked up and she like asked this girl, like, don't you hear that? Like, don't you hear that noise, that knocking? And the girl was like, like, yeah, like, of course I hear that noise. And my mom was like, Oh, well, like you didn't react to it. And you've never said anything like about anything in this house. Like I hear this all the time. And you know, it, sometimes it makes me wonder if I'm crazy. And the girl was like, no, no, no. Like, of course, I know all about this house. My dad just told me I wasn't allowed to talk to you guys about it. So like the neighborhood knew. And after the guy who had died on the job passed away and his family moved out, the house sat vacant for a number of years. And like eventually the neighbor told my mom that they would like see and he- see lights and hear noises, what? hear music as my mom did while the house was vacant up until wow. the point that my mom and dad and brother and moved they out. just let her buy it anyway now don't tell this nice single mother about the ghosts that live in the house with her small children maybe she'll make children. it go away <laughs> so yeah that's like I mean, talk that, about that, the ghosts <sighs> That was the situation that I was born into, and I don't think there was ever any other option for me to be into this shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's wow. wild. I wonder, does your mom have any anecdotes or anything about, like, I love the idea that there used to be another structure standing in its place. Mm-hmm. It makes me curious if you saw or she saw, like, a ghost walking five feet above the ground or in places where there used to be floors or walls or doors that are no longer there, you know? Oh, yeah, that is a really interesting thought. I haven't ever – she's never said anything specific like that, but I will certainly ask her next time I I talk to her if if that would make sense of anything that she saw because that is a really, really – are you, good idea. Are you guys all out of the house now? What's the current situation with that? Yeah, place? yeah. So yeah, of course. my mom moved out in I think 1992 or 93, okay. mm. somewhere around there. So it's been a while. But one more like quip when she yeah. was moving out before uh be- like when she had an offer on the house, they had to get an inspection done and there was oh, no. um there was this light light fixture like, in fingers her fingers crossed like, oh, <laughs> yeah God, please, exactly please, please. there was this light fixture in her bedroom where she had seen that light apparition and it needed some sort of repair and she had an electrician out and so the electrician like goes into the basement and it was like super old farmhouse so it was like those old fashioned those really large fuses like the big circular fuses you pull out Mm -hmm. so he like opens it up he pulls the fuses out disconnects the power so he can work on this light fixture you know safely and he goes back up there and my mom's like you know watching him as he does his work and he's like doing something and all of a sudden like the bare ball that's just like hanging there by the wire like lights up like six inches from his face and he's like did you he asked my mom like did you turn the power back on and she was like no no of course not and he was just like what the hell and she was like, Whoa. yeah, uh, you, you think you could fix it? Or, you know, I got to sell this house. <laughs> yeah, I've got a crucifix right here and some holy water. I always keep on me. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was like literally up until the, she moved out that she was experiencing activity. There. God damn. You know, it must you have, have been. I was going to say, it must have been weird to move into a house that wasn't haunted after that. (laughs) Yeah, totally. She's, you know, she's, she's commented on that and said that, you know, for a while she would like, couldn't tell if she was 
actually experiencing things or if it was like her brain or she was yeah. like expecting things to happen that weren't happening. And yeah, I mean, it, since then she has not, you know, she has not lived in another, uh, you know, active house like that, but yeah. it's certainly left an impression on, on all of us. Man, that is wild. Yeah, because you're trying to figure it out. You're like, was I, did all, all that stuff actually happen? I mean, am right. I causing this? Is, is my situation, was this here before? I mean, you must be trying to like understand what's happening. I mean, that's just a common human reaction. That's that's a wild story. You know, in California, you have to reveal by law if the place is haunted upon. Uh, that's closing. right, yeah. So Wait, you can actually. I thought it was just if someone died in it. No, you... no. Like there's a haunting clause, I think, in California real Wait estate. Wait a minute. Law. I, think, <laughs> I, I, I swear. Right, Bryce, yeah. No, I swear. If you're, you have to like, if if a buyer, if a potential buyer asks the seller if there's been any hauntings or if the place is. I haunted, knew that was in New Orleans, disclose, but in California, they have to disclose it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think, I think that is true. true. I've read that before. There was a case, like someone won a case over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but man. Because that's we just got to stop the passing around of haunted places, guys. We just keep passing them <laughs> along and passing them along, and it's a real problem. And <laughs> did did it ever feel like a threatening presence when you were when you guys were there? Or was it more something that you just sort of like lived with? Like, yeah, like, no. I, <laughs> excuse me. I never, I never felt it threatening at all. And my mom says she never did too. It was sort of, I think, like the most. Um, that's like good. poltergeisty thing that ever happened was, as I said, when the like when the thermostat would get turned all the way down. But otherwise, like no, nothing really. She she did say she would the the woman who I spoke of who she was pretty sure died in the original structure that was there. She would hear her like wailing and like wheezing because she died of this like respiratory illness and and mm. that was like she said that was by far the most terrifying of anything yeah. that she saw or heard. But like nothing <laughs> ever, yeah, n- nothing. Um, like malevolent ever yeah. that, she, it, that she was aware of. I really don't appreciate the tapping from inside a cabinet. No. That <laughs> is really disturbing to me because it yeah. makes me think that the ghost has folded itself up into a tiny space and is poking with their feet. Like that is weird. That's weird. I mean, all of this is weird, but that's weird to me. It's super weird. And it, it, I wonder, I mean, maybe that is exactly what you were talking about. Maybe that's an example of like, once the structure had changed, you know, mm-hmm. there was, that was something different previously. I don't know. But yeah, no, that, I mean, that's really weird. That feels like, I feel like a lot of what my mom experienced there, like could be classified as like a residual haunting, but some of it, especially that feels like it was trying to get someone's attention or something. Yeah. Right? That's like that the Bell Witch speak- stuff. It always starts. It started with the taps. You know well, what I mean? Totally. Oh, wait, they're through it. God, I got <laughs> it. But I'm just saying like, and then they would tap back and yeah. then suddenly they were, t- it was speaking with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's good that you're, did your mom ever try communicating with it other than to tell them to stop turning the heat down? No, I, I don't think she did. No, I mean, I, I think, yeah, I think she just like, she just kept, you know, moving on and hoping that it would continue to just be a small nuisance and not yeah, anything totally. greater. Yeah. The spooky old timey Victrola music is like very on the nose. Like that's pretty much dragging chains and like it, 100%. <laughs> yes. Like 100%. That feels like, yeah, that's like out of Playing the hits, Riley. You know? yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like the, yeah. uh, uh, what was the James Wan movie? Which one was it with the little boy running through the house with the Victrola music playing? Um, uh, 
Oh, the one with the guy with the keys. <laughs> Patrick Wilson, no he can a- astral project. What, insidious, insidious. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Really creepy. Um, so how did you then move out of this haunted uh, life or young childhood? You said that you had no choice. So what? How did the, how did the supernatural affect you as you grew up? And then finally, you were like, okay, this is what I'm gonna do. Or I'm gonna get I mean, into this. I think it was, you know, similar segues that every kid who like was born in the late, you know, born in the eighties, lived through the nineties. It was like unsolved mysteries and X files, you Mm -hmm. know, kept, kept my interest peaked. You know, sadly I didn't get into twin peaks until I was older. So I I can't, I know I, 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 you know, but there was enough at the time in the zeitgeist that like kept me interested. And then it wasn't anything like when I was, you know, super young, it wasn't anything beyond watching those shows and reading like Goosebumps books. Mm-hmm. But then when I became like a teenager and, and, you know, had a little bit more freedom, it was like, you know, ghost hunting at the cemetery past our curfew, nice. that sort of thing. Um, and sort of just like continued from there. And it's not, you know, I, I, I certainly haven't been doing it as long as a lot of people who I respect in this field have been doing it, but like, it's been, you know, something that I've always come back to. And then in recent years have sort of leaned into a little bit more. So what were the, um, local ghost stories, cryptids, um, legends in the area of Michigan that you were growing up in? So in, I mean, where I was a kid, there wasn't anything major, but when I went to college in like Lansing and East Lansing, Michigan, there was, more stuff around there. Probably the biggest, um, the one that that left the biggest impression on me was in, in Bath, Michigan, which is like lit, tiny, tiny little town in the middle of nowhere. And in like the twenties or the late teens, there was like a disgruntled father who, um, uh, sadly like put a bunch of TNT in, in the basement of an elementary school and, oh, and blew it up. And it was like, I mean, pre, you know, late nineties, early two thousands, it was sort of like the largest, um, school disaster tragedy in the country. Like many, many, many young children died, like oh, wow. five-year-olds to Whoa. 10-year-olds, like a Never couple dozen. This story. It's yeah. The bath school massacre is, is, um, if you wanted to look it up and, and it was just, it was such a sad story. It was, this dad was like, he was just like disgruntled because like his property taxes were getting raised or something. And he like, this was his oh, way of like getting back at the community was like going after their children. It's yeah, super, this super is, sad uh, story. May 18th, 1927. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So where that school was, was supposed to be a hot zone that I would go check out often. And then there close by, there was like a the cemetery where a lot of these children were buried and that was supposed to be like a hot spot as well. So that was like one of my favorite pieces of local lore for sure that, uh, I mean, obviously it's a, an incredibly tragic story, but, um, as far as like, a, you know, a spooky place to go check out in the middle of the night, that was, of that course. was the top of the list. Any cryptids any bigfoot activity in michigan where you're i mean, I mean 
There's some, I th- you know, there's always some Bigfoot activity, but I think there's more uh, reported dogman activity than, yeah, than right. Bigfoot, Michigan, yeah, the Michigan dog. That was my next or question. Dogman, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I, I, I haven't uh, had any dogman experiences, but certainly heard about them, uh, read about them on many different types of forums online over the years. I mean, that's, I feel like that and then... Um, the Nain Rouge and Detroit are like the two legends. Nain Rouge is sort of not really a cryptid. He was like, I mean, he kind of was. Are you guys familiar with that legend? Not no. ringing a like, bell. Yeah, no. It's like this little, he's like a debt, like the red devil, little red devil. What? Yes. Uh, in, in yes. Detroit. Yes. Nain, I have. Nain Rouge. Yes. 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 Uh, this may have come up briefly on the show a couple years ago. Please go on because I, this is one that I, I, I know I came across someone. Oh, this is interesting. Well, let me come back to this and clearly forgot. Go, please. I'm excited. I mean, I am certainly not the most qualified guest to speak on it. Uh, your boy, John Tenney, knows much, much more about the Nain Rouge than I do because mm. he, there's like this uh, every year as, as sort of like a joke, there's this uh, parade in Detroit where it's like kick the Nain Rouge out of Detroit and, and Tenney started like the anti movement of that where they were protesting to like let the devil stay in Detroit. Oh, no but way. Oh, man. That's awesome. Yeah. He's talked about it a bunch. I think it just happened in March, the last one I saw some photos of it. But uh, yeah, basically uh, it's like the red dwarf um, that was this creature in Detroit who's who was like said to be, I mean, sort of like in a similar way of like Mothman. It was like, if you saw him, you were going to experience something terrible. Basically. Um, the main story around it is, uh, about the founder of Detroit, whose name, I can't remember his, his first name, but his surname was Cadillac. Antoine, Uh, Antoine de la Moth Cadillac. That is, that is the one. And he was like told by a fortune teller that one day, he was going to cross paths with the name Rouge, the, this red devil mm. and that he needed to treat it with respect. And when that day came, it's said that Cadillac like hit the devil out of the way with his cane and was like, get, you know, get out of my way. <laughs> and as, and, and he was like, he had like horrible luck after that. I feel like he lost his fortune and he had to, I think he eventually moved out of Detroit and, and like this empire he had built like sort of crumbled and it's said that it was because that little of red the, devil. Exactly. Yeah. Out of the way, devil. If you <laughs> warned by a fortune teller that you're going to meet a little devil and you have to be nice to it, like, how do you not? I mean, come that? on. Yeah. Like, come, on. <laughs> come on. You had, you had, it was, the was advice so easy. was right there. <laughs> All you had to do. Yeah. yeah he's associated totally, totally with crap. a, with a, 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 a Luton or a Lighten, uh, a type of hobgoblin. In Ooh. French folklore and fairy tales, uh, plays a similar role in the folklore of Normandy to household spirits in England. Um, yeah, he's like a little goblin-y, goblin-y devilish guy. That's cool, man. We got to do a story on that. I think we just did. <laughs> <laughs> Done. I've, I've got friends manifestation. In, <laughs> I have friends in, in Detroit, and I'm always telling them, like, please keep your ear to the ground. Like if someone has like a, a modern day name Rouge encounter, like I need to hear about it because I want to know what that dude's been up to. He's, it's been a while. So Mm. tell us a little bit about your work, uh, with the zine, the podcast, and if you've had any experiences as an adult that you can't explain. 
Um, so yeah, the strange days is the little DIY magazine zine, um, that I, I do, do most of the writing for and do all of the publishing and editing for. And it started out two years ago as, um, a quarantine project. I sort of realized, um, I, when I went into lockdown, I was with my partner in, in Brooklyn and it was, you know, I sort of realized that at one point she was getting sick of me reading or telling her about like all the (laughs) weird (laughs) shit that I was reading to occupy my time uh, (laughs) while we were like stuck at home. And so one day I was like sitting on the couch and I have some like old fate magazines on a bookshelf and I was like, I could, I could probably do a, a half-hearted attempt at something like that. So I like sat down on the computer like six hours later had volume one of strange days. Didn't even let anybody read it or copy edit it, which proved to be a huge mistake, but uh, just like <laughs> hit, like put the last period on it and hit send <laughs> to a printer Love that. and yeah. ordered, ordered like 50 copy or not even 50. I think I ordered 30 copies and then like asked like, 12 of my friends for their mailing address. Didn't tell them why just sent it to them. Totally unsolicited. Uh, got like, you know, decent feedback for it. Decided to do a second issue. And when the second issue came out, I, uh, started like a social media presence for it. And it sort of got, it piqued the interest of like enough people that I actually like oversold the second issue. And then just like kept making them from there. And currently, um, issue nine is uh is being Bravo. printed so doing it like quarterly you know it's not my full-time job but um and basically what it is i guess i i should have gotten to that sooner is it's just like this little pocket-sized magazine that's like a collection of any and all weird paranormal you know ufology cryptozoology occult uh like folklore mythology any interesting current event stuff or just like, you know, something that piques my interest and I want to do a little bit of a deep dive on, even if it's not a current event, just any, anything weird and fun that falls under that umbrella. And, you know, we, I get, uh, contributors from all over the world, illustrators, like poets. Um, the last issue we had like a graphic artist do like a, uh, like a, uh, like a one-off comic for it about the bell, Witch that is super cool. cool. Um, and yeah, it's just like anything fun and weird. We put it out and send it out into the world and people seem to dig it or, or at least they humor me in that way. So, uh, and then that eventually sort of, so one of the main contributors to that is my friend Ian Schneider, um, who's also from New York. And once we started putting out more issues, we realized that like, because, you know, we keep it kind of short. It's not like the most in-depth thing because it's supposed to be pretty light entertainment reading sort of thing. Right. But we realized that we were leaving like a lot of meat on the bone with some of the stories. So we started doing a podcast that would sort of be in tandem. So like we would pick, pick topics from the zine and do like more of a deep dive. And that has sort of slowed down quite a bit, sadly, um, just because it's not what either of us are doing full time, but like, we're hoping to, to play catch up a little bit more this summer, but yeah. So like, that's, that's what the strange days zine is. And then the strange dispatches that is the sister podcast to it. Love That's it. so great. Yeah, definitely need Our to check fans that. Will love it too. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. So, if people want to get, are there like back issues, or how can people get a hold of the magazine currently? 
Yeah, yeah. Currently, all issues are available, uh, one through eight, and then um, the ninth issue will be available very soon. Uh, if you go to strangedayszine.com, that's strangedays, D-A-Y-S, zine is Z-I-N-E.com, you can find links to everything on there. The the podcast, the shop, it's all it's all there in one uh, one spot and yeah i mean uh it's and and we also accept contributions always if anybody has a strange story that want they want to put out in the world or like a haunted recipe or a movie review or something anything weird we're down to to put in the magazine so you can hit us up that's awesome all right definitely do that i'll put that in the link in the show notes as well we're gonna take a quick break when we come back it's time to play bullshit or believe it with andrew jewell everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right, we are joined this week by Haunted Baby, Andrew Jewell. <laughs> former former Haunted Baby, I guess I should say. Uh, Andrew, if you've listened to the show, you know that we have a game that we like to play with our guests. I'm going to go down a list of phenomena. If you're open to it, you're going to say, believe it. If you're closed off to it, you're going to say, bullshit. There's no in-between. You have to pick one or the other. But of course, we can always circle back and revisit some of these topics on the list after we get through it rapid fire style. Uh, this is a game called Bullshit or Believe It. Andrew, on your mark, get set, ghosts. Believe it. Bigfoot. Believe it. Aliens. Believe it. The Bermuda Triangle. Bullshit. Parallel dimensions. Believe it. Psychic vampires. For sure, believe it. Spontaneous combustion. Believe it. Astral projection. Believe it. Ouija boards. Believe it. Alien abduction. Believe it. Dogman. Absolutely believe it. Mothman. Oh yeah, believe it. Sheep Squatch. I'm sorry, I'm going to lose some readers for this, but I'm going to say bullshit. <laughs> Ritual magic with a K. Believe it. Levitation. Bullshit. The healing power of crystals. Listen, you do you, but it is probably bullshit. We're living in a simulation. I'm going to say bullshit. The government is hiding the truth about Elvis. Bullshit. Alien-human hybrids. Believe it. Miracles. Uh, believe it. 
Reincarnation. Believe it? Destiny. Bullshit. Life after death. Uh, I've been dreading this one. Um, <laughs> Haven't we all? I, I will say, <laughs> I, I feel like I ha- I'll just say believe it to be okay. safe. Okay. Yeah. Take the insurance. <laughs> Would you consider ghosts to be a form of life after death? I don't know. That mm-hmm. see, that's like I've had this conversation so many times. I really don't know. I, I'm not sure. I mean, there's I believe in ghosts, and I know it's a contradiction to say I don't believe in life after death. Not necessarily if I believe, that but, you don't have to subscribe yeah. to the idea that they're the souls of, you know, mm-hmm. dead people. They could be it could be some some other form of energy, energy or something. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, right. like the whole imprint echo kind of theory. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, um I yeah. Yeah. Well uh, done though. Yeah, very well, well done. done. Uh, Generally a believer across the board. Yes. Yeah, I feel like so, I, if if listen if your listeners were hoping for a more controversial version of that game, I just wasn't the right contestant. <laughs> That's fair. It. You know, every now and then we need a Bryce to come through and play this just to keep <laughs> keep keep you know keep the uh, as right. a control. That's you know, right. I was with um, you. got a for sure on psychic vampires. Sounds like someone's been a victim. Oh yeah, I mean, haven't we all? <laughs> I I mean I feel like yeah I am not going to name names but there are some in my life for sure just no draining doubt. a lot of your energy <laughs> definitely yeah and then let's talk a little bit about Dogman for people who might be listening to this show for the yeah. first time and are like what sure. the fuck are they talking about cuz Dogman was one that I made fun of when we started this show and then after speaking to speaking with uh, Linda S Godfrey I was and and reading some of her books I'm like, I mean, why not? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Why well, not? And then, totally. and then reading about the, you know, George Knapp's book about the uh, attack at the Pentagon, about the the dogmen and those accounts of people that had visited Skinwalker Ranch. And then all of a sudden we're seeing fucking dogmen in their backyard. Like, what do you think's going on with this, Andrew? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it took me a long time to get on board with Dogman as well. Um, I've read some of Linda's work. She's obviously the, the authority on that subject. I don't know. I mean, I don't, that's going to be, that would be my answer. If you asked me what was going on with any of those yeah, things, right. but yeah, totally, especially dog, man, I feel like I, you know, I feel like some of those things I have like a toe touching the ground in my own weird head, even if it's not, obviously I don't know, know anything, but like there are way, there are things uh, there are, is enough information about Sasquatch and ghosts and, and things like that, that I feel there is something there that keeps me grounded. Dogman, I don't have that with, but I do think it, that there's something to it. I mean, it's like, you know, people always say, even if one experience is true, then it's yeah. true, right? right. Like they don't all have to be true. I so. feel like if I got Dogman, like if I... <laughs> If that's the cryptid that I saw out there, I'd be like, God damn it. Why did it have to be dog man? Because now I got to convince people I saw this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Bigfoot. You're like, no, man, I've seen it. But dog man, you're like, oh, God. To me, this like sort of, you know, moves me in the little uh, direction, like the, the dog man thing, even the sheep squatch. And Andrew, I bet I could convince you on the Bermuda Triangle, but but all I'm these here. I'm the open up, to it. Upright walking 
creatures. What once was Bigfoot seems to be the mainstay, uh, you know, but now you have these dog men and, and whatever things. Perhaps this is, you know, our, our collective unconscious psychic projection manifesting and remanifesting. Perhaps it's changing uh, the appearance of not only UFOs, but the creatures we see on the ground. You know what I mean? There can't be that many like wolf creatures and Bigfoots all hiding out, all living off the land, right? I mean, there's got to be something else going on here, perhaps. I, I That's where my brain is these days. It's like, you know, like the Jacques Vallée, Jacques Vallée stuff, the idea mm. of that it's all, you know, it's all the same phenomenon coming from who knows where, but I certainly feel like I subscribe to that camp more than yeah. a lot of things lately. Like I, I, yeah, I think that there, whether it's a Tulpa that we're manifesting or whether it's just a new version of whatever that energy has manifested yep. itself yep. as before, mm-hmm. be it Sasquatch, a fairy, you know, uh, the, you know, Hopkinsville goblin yeah. or whatever it is. I do feel like there is some sort of link to all of that stuff for well, sure. And it does seem that certain individuals are batteries for these things. You know, some people Absolutely. just are supercharged for these types of experiences. I Can have I- a dogman radio in my brain. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Great. biology. Great. Great. Thanks. <laughs> Can I tell you guys a really quick firsthand dogman encounter that I was yes. told recently? Yes, Do yes. And that, re- that? that reminds me, we got to talking about the zine. We never answered the question of whether you've had anything in your adult life. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, not anything major. So the the one the one experience that I've had that I feel like I can put that I can present with feeling pretty certain about it other than what happened in my childhood was while I, the bath school massacre, which we were talking about earlier. Well, I was with some friends, uh, you know, quote unquote investigating. And I don't say that because I don't believe in paranormal investigating. I just say it because we didn't know how to paranormal investigate while we were doing it. Uh, we were at the cemetery where all these children, you know, were buried after this tragedy and we had just gotten there and we were looking around and, and we couldn't find any, we were looking at graves of, you know, dates that would match up to when this event happened. And we couldn't, couldn't find any. And we were walking around this place for like 15 minutes and it wasn't, it's not a huge cemetery. And we were just like, strange, like there's, you know, there's supposed to be a, a couple dozen of these children who are buried here. It's interesting that we haven't found any of them and we were looking pretty diligently. It was me and two other friends and I was taking pictures with a digital camera and, um, we're walking and I pull, I pull the digital camera up to my eye and look through the viewfinder and I take a picture and the flash goes off, which I didn't mean for it to, but it just did. And as the image like pops up in the viewfinder for like the half a second of review, after you take a photo, I noticed there was something in the photo that wasn't like that wasn't there that I could see with my eye. And so I'm trying to pull that up and hit play back on the camera. And while I'm doing that, my friend who's like 15 yards ahead of me, he was like, Oh, that's, I just hit like a cold spot. It feels really weird over here. Mm. And so I'm trying to pull this image up and my camera batteries die, of course, like as they do in any of these scenarios. So we go back to the car. I think it was my car not too far away and I had extra batteries and swap them out and pull it up. And sure enough, there's like this crazy, like foggy, hazy 
something in the in the frame i mean it sort of looks like you know those like spiritualism like seance photos where they like fake that active yes (laughs) it looks exactly like that i'm i will email it to you dudes Um, please do we want to take a look at it i'll throw it up on the instagram if that's okay yeah absolutely look at it looks exactly like that. And then my friend who's in the background, the one who turned to me and said that he had just walked into a cold spot or something. And he has, and I don't want to catch flack for this. And I certainly don't want you dudes to catch flack for this. I'm not going to say he has an orb above his head and mm. orbs. If, if, if orbs were on bullshit or believe it, I would probably say bullshit. But in this photo, he has this thing above his head that is like, I don't know what it is and it's not, it's 100% not the moon. The moon was like uh, over my, like on my back to my back. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's just this like really compelling photo. So we, we see that on my camera. We go back to the spot where I took the photo and we look down and then like, of course, when I took it, I was standing over the grave of a little girl who died in that tragedy and those were the that's what we were looking for there and it was we had been very diligently looking and we hadn't found any and that was the first and only one we had found up until that point um yeah it's a pretty that's it's an interesting photo and it's like i i work with cameras for a living for a profession and like i know how they work pretty well and i can't explain what happened in that scenario Mm. it's not i i've like if I could debunk it, I would 100% go that route, and, right. and I haven't been able to. Andrew, I could get you over to Team Orb. No problem. <laughs> yeah. This is an orb-friendly. Uh, I, you know, I, I spend too much time on, like, paranormal subreddits right, that, right. with, like, people who just, like, don't. Uh, it, yeah. It, uh, you probably could. You probably could. Um, <laughs> Listen, this is an orb-free zone right now. Okay, Bryce? <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's but a crazy I ha- story. I can't wait to see that picture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's totally. wild. And I haven't really had any anything crazy after that. I've had a couple of minor things, but nothing made major. I was even um I, for a time I was a MUFON field investigator. No way. Um cool. But I pretty much and this isn't uh this this isn't speaking to my ability as a field investigator and more so just the types of cases that MUFON gets. Like they were all pretty all the cases that I ever got were pretty easily debunked, like mm. you know, by whatever, you know, terrestrial things. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, as, as not a lot uh as of late, not a lot of weird experiences. But I, I am open. I'm I am receptive to them for sure. Well, it sounds like you know someone who's seen one of these dog men running around. So let's <laughs> Let's yeah, hear that. This, this this story is insane. So I was um, back in November of last year. I went to um, this event called CryptidCon in Lexington, Kentucky. Sure. And Strange Day set up a table there. And it's like, you know, it's a lot of podcasters and like, you know, makers and vendors. And there are like some dudes from um, Mountain Monsters. I think that that's the show. Some yeah. of those dudes were there. And it's just like, you know, people talking about cryptids for like a whole weekend. And on the second day, this guy comes up to me. His name was Scott. And he was like, I have a, he, he asked me what the, the magazine was. And I told him, you know, we collect stories and firsthand encounters and things. And he's like, oh, I have a dog man story. And I, I won't make it too long. And we, act, I, I, there's an episode of The Strange Dispatch, my podcast, that we go into it in depth. But he basically launches into the story. He says he lives in super rural Kentucky. And one day he was home for work, like midweek. It was like middle of the day. And his dog started barking 
like crazily and he doesn't have he's really really can't see his neighbors there's no one no one around or actually i'm sorry take that back there was one neighbor but it was like pretty not super close and so he's wondering you know if someone pulled up in a car or whatever why his dog's going wild and he says he looks out his window and there's a dog man on his property Mm. in plain sight in the middle of the day and the dog man like charges at his dog who's on like one of those like cable lines and he says the dog man like bites down on his dog and he, he goes and grabs a gun like his handgun goes out the front door and the dog man like he kicks open his front door just in time to see the dog man like kill his pet dog no and yes he said it what? like chomped it he said it it just like chomped it and it stopped moving mm. and so this dude says and sorry this gets a little bit more graphic he says he unloads like five shots into oh, yeah. the side of this dog man and the dog man takes off into the woods and this dude scott follows chasing him down on foot he he's upset because he just watched it kill his dog and he follows it like into the woods like you know a thousand yards into the woods and the brush is getting thicker and thicker and he said that he just like all of a sudden found himself in the way that he described it i will never forget he said he found himself in the dog man's lair and it was a bone yard what he described it as a bone yard which he said it was just like, but he said like there were deer and bear and bones that he didn't that even know what they were just everywhere, like littering the ground. Man. And he, uh, was getting ready to like shoot at the dog man again, but the dog man kind of scurried out of sight. And then he realized that it, he thought it was getting ready to like circle around and come back and lunge at him. And he like took off and he also said, so then he went on to say that he also has Sasquatch on his property mm. and he believes that the dog man has never hassled him again because he has a good relationship with the Sasquatch and That's they sort of, great. they sort of, uh, you know, protect him from the dog man harassing him basically. But it's like the most insane dog man story I've ever heard. Dog man bad. like, Uh, very bad very bad there's like a supernatural element right when he sort of like loses time misses space uh ends up in fairy and then all of a sudden he's in the cave right like there's something totally yeah yeah he like yeah he's just like running and all of a sudden he finds himself like in the layer of the dog bed you've tripped into fairy super weird and he had his wife was with him and she was carrying this this binder and she had these excuse me these printed photos and they didn't have photos of the dog man, but they had photos of a lot of blood on their property that he said that like when he unloaded on it. So I don't know. Super. Get the blood clone, the dog man. That's I've said it before. Let's clone Bigfoot. Let's clone dog man and prove they exist. Man, there's cloning cryptids. This is a brilliant idea. All over North America. I mean, they're not, there's not a lot of them like that. But they are out there, which I mean, yeah, imagine imagine the potential for gathering evidence on a site like that, being able to visit him like right after that encounter. If he were to report it to somewhere or if there was an agency like MUFON for UFOs, but for like cryptids, like Dogman reportings and they boom, you send out an investigate, whatever. I don't know. So was he unable to keep track? Bryce, of I think you can player? start that agency if you want to. <laughs> That's true. 
was was he unable to keep track of where this layer actually was then he yeah i mean the way he he described it yeah he could never make his way back there basically right because right. it doesn't exist in our reality he you entered think? a different reality yes Sheesh. the dog man he followed the dog man into that reality that's how it works you follow these things if there was a lot of fog you know maybe that's what happened you know you Jesus. go through the fog and then I don't know. I hate Dogman now. That's all I know. So <laughs> you made a couple screwed. enemies tonight, right? Damn. Yeah. yeah. I also I like the idea of the neighborhood Squatch Watch. That's like pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Very into that. That's a T-shirt. <laughs> neighborhood Squatch Watch. It's just a friendly Bigfoot giving a thumbs yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, it's like with binoculars, like looking out for Dogman. You know, yeah. Pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> love it all yeah. right well it is time uh andrew for this week's story of high strangeness you guys ready for this sure mm-hmm. let's do it all right Very i tried to find a weird one for 420 not as not as psychedelic as it could be it's not you know crazy crazy but this is a, one of the weirder cryptids that i've ever heard of so Riley, cue up some some music and and let's get into this. Here we go. A strange phenomenon, a horrible apparition hovers over the city at an early hour this morning. That was the headline of a sensational story printed in the Crawfordsville Daily Journal on the evening of September 5th, 1891. Settled on the banks of Sugar Creek in 1823, Crawfordsville, Indiana, was a little slice of Americana, complete with a historic downtown square and courthouse. The county seat of Montgomery County, in 1891, the population of Crawfordsville was just over 6,000. And in the early days of September of that year, the population would temporarily increase by one as the town was visited by a mysterious cryptid known as the Crawfordsville Monster. Unlike other small-town entities we've covered on this podcast, the Crawfordsville Monster was was not an earthbound, bipedal beast lurking in the tall grass near a lake or tossing tires off a bluff or dodging pickup trucks speeding down rural highways. The Crawfordsville monster descended from the sky, exhibiting similar behavior to that of the legendary Snallygaster, frightening unsuspecting citizens and spreading confusion across the county. Some said that the beast's appearance signaled the start of the end times. Others had less fanatical theories or explanations to the creature's true nature. Whatever it was, the Crawfordsville monster case is a fun reminder that not all unidentified flying objects are silver disks or mystery airships. Mm -hmm. They sometimes come in the form of sentient beings. That is, if you believe what you read in the paper. I do. The whole matter began at 2 a.m. on September 5th. As the rest of the town slept peacefully in their beds, two ice delivery men, Marshall McIntyre and Bill Gray, were prepping their delivery wagon in a barn off East Main Street near downtown. McIntyre suddenly felt overcome with a sense of what he described as awe and dread. He looked off to the western sky and saw a horrible apparition flying towards them at about three or four hundred feet in the air. The Daily Journal reported the sight in their evening story later that day. 
It was most gruesome in aspect. It was about 18 feet long and 8 feet wide and moved rapidly through the air by means of several pairs of side fins. It was pure white and had no definite shape or form, resembling somewhat a great white shroud fitted with propelling fins. There was no tail or head visible, but there was one great flaming eye and a sort of wheezing, plaintive sound was emitted from a mouth which was invisible. It flapped like a flag in the winds as it came on and frequently gave a great squirm as though suffering unutterable agony. Now, have you ever heard of this uh, cryptid, Andrew? No, I am not familiar. Some horrible flying worm that seems to be squirming in pain. <laughs> yeah, with fins. Hell yeah. Yeah, with in one fins. eye. That's one awesome. eye. Yes. <laughs> the one-eyed sentient screaming windsock flew above the two men's heads, drawing lazy circles in the air and emitting its agonizing cry. Worried the creature might eat them, the ice delivery men dashed into the barn where they watched the creature for several minutes, twisting and twirling in the air. After some time, the monster flew off to the east, but when it reached the city limits, it made a U-turn and flew back to McIntyre and Gray's location. Now, the barn where the men prepped their wagon belonged to their boss, a man named William Martin. Martin and his family were asleep in their house next door. When the creature returned, it hovered over the Martin family home. McIntyre proposed they go grab the family and get them to safety, but Gray, perhaps out of fear, objected. So the two men watched the strange aerial phenomenon for an hour before finally escaping in the wagon to the ice house. When they returned to the barn after daylight, the creature had vanished. Convinced what they'd witnessed had been of supernatural origins, McIntyre and Gray told the Daily Journal that they would be returning to the barn the, the, the next morning armed with a Springfield rifle. Hell yeah. Because that's how you take care of a ghost. You Damn shoot right. it with a bullet. <laughs> Damn right. Exactly. Yeah, it was this idea. They they thought it was more like a ghost in not, you know, in, in in context. They weren't thinking of this thing as necessarily an animal. They thought it was some type of spirit, perhaps. Yeah, totally. With a flaming eye straight out of the straight out of the Bible, man. That's crazy shit. Now, that may have been all that was said of the matter, and we would have had to take the word of two icemen uh, at the early hours of the morning. That is, if another witness hadn't come forth. Reverend of the First Methodist Church, G.W. Schweitzer, stepped out of his house just after midnight that night to fetch some water from his well. Like Marshall McIntyre, the Reverend was overcome with a strange sensation. Not sure if he had heard or saw anything to prompt him, Schweitzer nonetheless peered into the sky and saw the creature swooping in his direction in the windless night air. The Reverend estimated that the being uh, was about 16 feet long and 8 feet wide and resembled a floating drapery. Okay. According to his eyewitness testimony, Schweitzer summed up the creature's appearance with this. It was shaped like a fleecy, milk-white cloud or a demon in a shroud. 
nice. But Those are like rhyming. two very different things, right? It's like, I know. Yeah. It's like it was a milky white fleece or a demon yeah. <laughs> in a shroud. It was flying drapes. <laughs> now, swipes are like, yeah, floating drapery. It's really yeah. good. I like that. Resembling floating drapery. Uh, Schweitzer called his wife outside, and the pair watched as the monster writhed around in the sky in a fashion that reminded them of the slithering of a serpent. At one point, it seemed to descend and land upon the lawn of their neighbor, one Mrs. Lane. With the creature now blocked from view, Schweitzer hurried out into the street for a better angle, and just as soon as he did, the beast reappeared, rising back into the, into the quiet night sky. Together, they watched the mysterious spook circle the town until Mrs. Schweitzer got tired and went back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> these, you know, these parents, man, they're wiped out. I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> She's just like, I can't. How long am I supposed to watch this thing floating around, crying and not really doing anything? That was like Don when I showed her that orange orb on Halloween. Great. Can we go now? <laughs> Did you get your picture? Good. Good. Get in the car. Now, for those of you out there who wonder why more people don't come forward with their eyewitness accounts of high strangeness, consider this reaction to Schweitzer's story. Remember, he's a minister. Immediately, people, I guess ministers are just humans too, but, you know, at the time I felt like they were held in high regard. Uh, Immediately, people started calling him drunk and crazy. Schweitzer started receiving multiple letters asking him for more information, and one of the letters allegedly sent from Keeley's Institute for Inebriates in Plainfield suggested that their inmates often saw floating spooks, but after a few days of treatment, no longer had that issue. They furthermore suggested that Schweitzer come down to the Institute and check himself in. That's so fucked up, man. Yeah, very <laughs> passive-aggressive. <laughs> yeah. The story of the midnight spook was picked up by the press in Indiana, uh, Indianapolis and Brooklyn and began to spread. Concerned citizens began wondering if the creature appeared in the daytime, what color it might be. Would it come to Ohio? Others wrote into the Daily Journal saying, with an air of self-satisfaction, that the beast was the harbinger of the final day and that the events of Revelations would soon be upon them all. <laughs> and upon the opening of the sixth seal, <laughs> At least two possible explanations for the Crawfordsville monster were put forward. The first was, it was a flock of birds. Two eyewitnesses named John Hornbeck and Abe Hernley allegedly tracked the flying creature only to discover it was a confused flock of killdeer, possibly thrown off by the newly implemented electric lights throughout the city. The white breasts and wings of the birds provided the ghostly appearance, and their calls could explain the cries of the beast. Mm. But what about that flaming eyeball? Another explanation put forth was that the monster was actually, get ready, everybody, a balloon. Classic. Apparently, local kids, boys specifically, had been recently tying cats to parachutes and then sending them up into the sky in balloons, much to the dismay of the four-legged furry creatures. This trend, known as the quote-unquote balloon parachute craze, is just one more example that it was just a balloon explanation has been with us long before Roswell. 
Well, and also this is like that's like the beginning of TikTok right there. Like, <laughs> yeah, I got, got the balloon challenge. Pre-internet craze, the balloon parachute Ooh. craze. I guess this is what oh. the boys were doing or bored uh, children were doing around town. So, what exactly was the cross Crawfordsville monster? A lost dragon from another dimension? A ghost? An organic spacecraft? Birds? A cat in a parachute? Floating drapes? We'll never know. But it serves as a reminder to check in with the sky every now and then. Especially if you get that funny feeling. Because if you look up, you never know what you might see. Yeah. Now, Andrew, anything about this story that jumps out at you or rings any bells? And this isn't, there's no right answer to this. I'm just curious. What did you say what year it was? I'm sure you did. 1891. Yeah. So this is like before the mystery airship yep, flap. Yeah. Yep. This predates like, but and not, in, not yep. too far before. No. And the things that I thought of was the fins. You know, because they would associate mystery airships as sometimes having like those flaps, like those steampunk wings right. or oars. Platypus um, flaps, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but this definitely seems, it also reminds me of like stories from medieval times when people would say, you would hear stories that like, you know, they walked outside and they saw a sky serpent flying around, you know? Totally. Um, yeah. I don't, I mean, I, I would be, probably most satisfied if it was in fact like an interdimensional dragon or however you described it that would be the best answer That'd be fun i think but <laughs> i think this is also a case that charles fort uh investigated as well this is one oh, of his amazing. early mm-hmm. cases of of strange phenomena um i think he went down there and and asked around about it but um i think people took you know the other thing is that with mystery ships as well it's like sometimes Local newspapers just liked to print up these stories to help sell uh, papers. But it seems weird that they would throw the reputation of a minister under the bus <laughs> doing it. Totally. I know. Um, what if this was like a precursor to the dirigible flap. And they're like, I'm a scary white drapery. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not working with them down there. They're just sending them to, to drunk tanks. So maybe, yeah. we should, maybe we should try some ships or something. Punch it up. Yeah. Punch yeah. it up. Something it. with some panache. You know? Yeah. Maybe, maybe they were witnessing sort of the evolutionary step of it going from a dragon to an airship and then eventually yeah. to a silver disc, whatever this, you know, Jacques Vallée oh, like yeah. uh, explanation is and the flaming eyeball that also sounds like an orb as well yeah. since we're on the top totally. of orbs um, i mean that's got to be the last pastor that ever reports any strange phenomenon yeah. right? they're like no it was a normal day here this sunday that's uh, nothing happened yeah <laughs> anyways you know, when... back to sky god's son <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 exactly <laughs> Um, strange story. I think it's fun. I, uh, it's, it's so strange too, that in these early stories, they're like, it's a spook. It's a ghost. It's a demon, you know, man. Um, but apparently never seen again. I don't think it was birds. <laughs> I really hope it wasn't cats on balloons. No, <laughs> just, no, that just yeah. bums me out. Yeah. It really bums me out too. I love that, like the uniqueness and the one-offness of it. I mean, it's. I mean, yeah, too. it's so cool. Like, there's so much there that I have not heard of in any of these other stories, whether they were like embellished or not. It's very unique and very cool. 
Yeah, yeah. I came across this creature while flipping back through uh, All Such Boardman's book, uh, An Illustrated History of UFOs, and he had, there was a page where he had drawn this thing, and I was like, what is that? I need to go look this up and find out what's behind this story. You know what he kind of looks like, in my mind, is like uh, Valcor from, or is it Balcor? Yeah. Balcor or Balcor from uh, oh, yeah. Never, Never Any Story? story. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Which we're going to... Totally. Gonna- Talk about uh, next on our Patreon because Wolfgang Peterson directed Never Ending Story and That's also right. the 85 hit friendship buddy space movie Enemy Mine. Yeah, everybody tune in Friday to the other side for that. Um, <laughs> any final thoughts about this, Andrew? I I don't, I mean, I'm in, I'm I'm sold on it. I think it was real. That's all it takes cool. for me. You should, I think you should add it to bullshit or believe it. Honestly. Great. All right. That's the Crawfordsville it. monster. We won't have to stop and explain that one every time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, mean, it's, I like it's, this idea. Might give Michael a minute to sell the Crawford monster. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's such a cool, unique story. I'm, I will definitely be looking into it further. I, yeah, I don't know. I, whatever was happening in the skies in the late, Victorian age, it sounds cool. And I wish I know, right? The cool thing about this story, too, is all this information came from the original news articles, which are well preserved. And uh, so I'm glad that that occurred as well. So it's easy to find the chain of events in the original source material. So, um, yeah, go check it out. Andrew Jewell, it was so lovely having you on the show. Thank you so much. Remind everybody where you can be found and where people can find your work. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Strange Days Zine, Z-I-N-E dot com. Uh, links to all of our stuff. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter. Same thing. Strange Days Zine. Uh, thank you so much for having me. The pleasure was mine. I assure you this has been a lot of fun. I Huge fan of the show. Super honored to be on with you dudes. Like, can't can't say it enough. Oh, well, thank thanks. You, we appreciate the hell out of that. Thank the you. The pleasure is ours. Uh, and you'll have to come back sometime and maybe uh, listen to some of the L file stories that we get sent in. We'd love to hear That'd be great. your take. Oh, absolutely. On, on I, I would be so down. Great, great. Uh, guys, let's wrap it up with a uh, couple plugs. Uh, remember, we talked about it a second ago. You can support the show every month by going over to the Patreon, BCC The Other Side at patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club for five bucks a month. You get three bonus episodes at a minimum. Uh, $9 tier, the Ultra Terrestrial tier, uh, tier gets you access to Riley's Cosmic Tracks every week. Some really cool stuff happening there. Uh, this Friday, we will be discussing the 1985 movie uh, starring Louis Gossett Jr. and Dennis Quaid, Enemy yeah. Mine. Uh, a Bryce a Bryce pick if I ever, <laughs> ever saw one. Uh, very excited to talk about that. Um, check out my other podcast, Slate Your Name, available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Bryce, Riley, what do you got? Sure. If this isn't enough Bigfoot for you, come over to Travel Channel on Sunday nights, 10, 9 Central. Watch Expedition Bigfoot, also streaming on Discovery+. Plus. Hosted by I none just... other than Bryce Johnson. That's, That's right. right. Our, our famous Bigfoot hunting adventurer. <laughs> um, I just want to loop du- double down on uh, the uh, the ultra terrestrial tier of the Patreon. It's um, it's like pretty much become like my podcast only fans or something. <laughs> yeah, it really <laughs> has been. You get a letter every week from Riley. Sometimes yeah. he's sharing sh- music from this show. Sometimes he's sharing music from uh, his heart. Yeah, it's like yeah, I've been 
but there's stuff there that I'm not putting out anywhere else. Some of it's songwriting, some of it's ambient music, some of it's just I'm playing piano at home. I'm writing these little letters. I don't know. It's I'm having a lot of fun Sounds with it. Sounds cool, man. I, I think I'm I'm giving Michael um, a little anxiety because I I just sort of randomly post. It's on fine. It it's your I thing, baby. Like as long as one goes out a week, I'm happy. It's your thing it's, now. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Good. Good. We've, I'm glad we've reached this point. We've but had yeah, it's, no it's, complaints. It's 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 a lot of fun so consider it uh i really i'm I'm doing everything i can to make it worth your while love it okay well that wraps up another episode big thanks again to andrew jewel go check out all of his stuff uh until next time good night and go get regressed Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray and Michael McMillan and scored and engineered by Riley Bray. Our theme song, Come Alone, is by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. Do us a favor and support the show and unlock three bonus episodes every month by becoming a member of our Patreon, BCC The Other Side, which can be found at patreon.com slash bigfootcollectorsclub. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch, involved in a then-unheard-of secret organization called the Illuminati, and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes.